outreach advocate here at the network. And we are starting a new weekly special called More Aware Mondays, where every week we're going to cover a different article on domestic abuse and how the network relates to that topic so that we can spread awareness about the reality of domestic abuse and the resources that are available to the victims and their families. All of the links to the articles will be posted in our bio, and you can read the article, and Annalise is going to talk about them, and hopefully interview some people from the network, so that you can get a more well-rounded view of domestic abuse and how the network helps victims. Listeners, I hope that you're all doing well out there. For this week's More Aware Monday, we're talking about the education that the network does and how we help to promote healthy relationships. So as the community youth educator, I'm going to be talking a bit about this topic because I'm the one that goes into the schools and community groups to do presentations on healthy relationships, also to do tabling community events as well. And I have experience doing counseling with our children and teens, so I know a little bit about the approach that we take during counseling and support group sessions as well. So what the network has to offer is for our community education program, we go into the community to talk to all different ages and all different types of people about healthy relationships. Based on the age and the type of group will depend a little on the type of lesson that we do. So if we go into the schools, we do do lessons with kids as young as kindergarten. Those lessons are all age appropriate and they're very interactive to help keep the kids attention and to keep them interested in doing it. So when we're talking about like kindergarten and first grade, we usually go in to do lessons on kind words with friends and how to be a good friend, different acts of kindness that you can use and different qualities that make a good friendship. So we do different activities like reading children's books and talking about what they noticed in the book with the characters and if that friendship was a good one or a not so great one. We talk about things like put ups and put downs and have like a little heart activity where they can write the put ups and show the effects of how like put downs might crumple up the person's heart. We also do sensory activities. So we've done things like where kind words are cotton ball words and sandpaper words. So we make them very age appropriate and the types of things that they would be learning in the schools. We get them approved by the teachers and sometimes we use evidence-based curriculums that are like a little bit longer in nature. So maybe they're 14 or 12 or 10 different sessions long that we can do with groups as well. So we have some like the safe dates program in their shoes, shifting boundaries that we use that are evidence-based as well. Or sometimes we use a mix of the stuff that we know and get trained on. So once kids get older, it maybe becomes a little bit more adult, but also always age appropriate. So when we're talking with the fifth grade, for example, we would talk to them about self-esteem. So we teach them things like setting boundaries in terms of standing up for yourself. So if a friend wants to borrow something and you don't want them to borrow it because they have a tendency not to give things back, what is something that you could politely say to express that? 
or if somebody wants to spend too much time together and you have other things you need to focus on, like getting your homework done, or if somebody likes to give you hugs all the time, but you're not somebody that really likes hugs. So we keep it age appropriate and to their level, and we do interactive things with that as well. So we've done things like ribbons of appreciation where kids can create a colorful ribbon based on the things that they're most proud of. We've also done things like where they would stand in a line and if something makes you uncomfortable, you step forward. If something's fine with you, you step back to show kind of how different people's opinions are. So something like a person giving you a hug or calling you a certain kind of nickname, they might be things that we can see like, oh, this actually does bother my classmates, even though it doesn't bother me. And a lot of kids find that very eye-opening to make them more aware of, oh, well, maybe everybody doesn't like getting a hug, or maybe everybody doesn't like being teased, or different things like that. We also do things on coping skills, so teaching them ways that they can deal with anger or stress. We actually do things like deep breaths or yoga positions or things like the spaghetti body where you tense your um, hands and legs and then like shake them all out. We also do things like bingo games to teach them different skills or I've done escape rooms for problem solving to teach them how to work together and solve problems. So there are a lot of different things we do to educate at a younger age. And then as they get older, we can start talking about healthy or unhealthy dating relationships in the high school. And those are usually just going over some things called green and red flags, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more. So red flags, I think, are things that people are pretty aware of because we hear it a lot these days. And a red flag is like a warning sign that somebody's behavior might not be great. So an example of a red flag would be if they check your messages without asking your permission, if they go through your phone. Another example might be if they have an explosive temper, something small goes wrong and they really blow up about it. Another red flag might be if somebody is constantly sending you messages to see where you are, what you're doing, who you're with. So there are warning signs that the relationship isn't healthy and that there's things that need to be worked on. We also have what is called green flags. So there are signs that a relationship is good and that this person looks like a healthy person. So some examples of that might be that they respect your no when you say no to something. Instead of pressuring you or getting upset about it, they just say, okay, I'm cool with that. And that is something that we teach a lot of the youth as well as ways to handle not getting exactly what you want because it is really important that somebody feels comfortable saying what they're okay with or not okay okay with and having that respect it. So if you ask somebody if they want to do a certain hobby and they're just not interested, being able to say, okay, let's do something else instead so that they feel more comfortable and they know that you'll respect their opinions. It could be somebody that if you have a different view, you feel comfortable saying it. So sometimes we like different music or movies or interests from the people that we're involved with. And it's nice to be able to tell them that and have them be supportive. So if we say like, oh, I'm going dancing this weekend and there's somebody that that's not their thing, they'll still say, oh, that's really cool. That sounds exciting. I hope you have a good time. 
versus somebody with a red flag who might say, oh, that's silly. Why do that? Why not spend time with me instead? Or we should do this because it's much cooler or making fun of them like, oh, that's so stupid. I can't believe you would do something like that. Things that put people down would be a red flag, but somebody accepting your different opinions and being supportive of you is a green flag. It's also somebody who accepts you for who you are, and so you feel comfortable being yourself around them. So there's lots of things that make up a healthy relationship that we think are really important for people to know about because the things that make a healthy relationship are skills that need to be learned. So for instance, communication makes a healthy relationship if you can communicate well, but that's a skill you need to learn, learning how to listen to somebody, learning how to say how you feel in a way that doesn't upset people. For example, giving I statements. So I feel this way when you say that because it focuses on you and isn't projecting blame or assumptions onto the other person. So there's a lot of skills that go into making a healthy relationship. And we like to teach those skills to the students that we work with so that they understand how they can have healthier relationships themselves. We also make sure to have these conversations in our counseling and support groups. So as much as we want our counseling and support groups to be an opportunity for people to be able to talk about what they're going through, to hear what other people are going through and feel that validation and connection, it's also important that they learn what is a healthy relationship. Especially when people are in unhealthy relationships from a young age, they can really normalize a lot of behavior. They might think that this is how all relationships are because it's theirs. And we sometimes see a pattern where people will later get into relationships that are also unhealthy, but not as unhealthy as the first one. So they believe that this is a healthy relationship and have a harder time seeing that it's still abusive because of the normalizing of those behaviors. They might think, oh, well, this person doesn't hit me, so I'm in a much better position, even though that person might still be very verbally and emotionally abusive, and it's just harder to see. In our counseling and support group sessions, we always make a point to talk about what's healthy too and help them to realize the difference so that they know going into future relationships what things to really look for and how to actually make healthy relationships. So we've done this with the kids in the support group, doing things like learning how to handle your feelings, learning what makes a good friend, discussing what to do when you see unhealthy behaviors, how to set boundaries, how to talk to the person, when to walk away from those situations. And we do the same with the kids and teenagers in individual support groups. So talking about behaviors and why they're problematic, always the behavior and not the person, because we know in all these situations, there's a chance they really love and care about the person. If it's a parent that was abusive or somebody that they're dating, they obviously really care for the person and we don't want to badmouth that person in any way. But we talk about specific behaviors, why this behavior breaks trust in the relationship, why this behavior shows disrespect, and what types of behaviors they should be expecting to see instead. So that helps them to make healthier choices and to start getting a better picture of what a healthy relationship looks like and where the problems and red flags were in some of these other relationships. It also helps them to know where there are things that maybe they can slightly improve on and where there are things that are the other person acting, controlling, and not coming from a healthy place. 
because a lot of times people who have experienced abuse will put quite a lot of blame on themselves. And part of that is from the person who acts abusively having a tendency to blame the other person and make it feel like it's their fault. So being able to take accountability when it is helpful and also realizing when the other person is acting in a way that is not okay can be really helpful to distinguish for the person as well in building healthier relationships. When we are working with people and educating on healthy relationships, we try and get to all the different places we can to reach different groups of people and to get everyone this valuable information. One of the things we do is go into the schools, as I've mentioned with some of the education before that it would be with certain grades. We go into classrooms and do presentations often multiple times a year to the different age groups in ways that are age appropriate for them and that go with the curriculum of the school. So sometimes we'll work into health classes or family and consumer sciences or life skills classes to kind of work with what they're already learning in those schools and to help the lesson by showing some real world applications that there are experts out there that can help them in unhealthy situations and also just to kind of reinforce and back what their teachers are already saying. Another thing we do is try and go into different groups in the community. So we've worked with with libraries to do presentations and displays. We've worked with other community groups like Integrity Martial Arts and Educational Resources for Children to tie into events that they're having like Safety Days or the Backpack Day. So we work with things that are already happening in the community. We also do things like farmers market and craft fairs is something that we've been attending a lot more of. We also go in to work with churches to work with their youth group or to speak to their congregation of adults. We also work with the police in safety programs that they put on as well. So there's a lot of community collaboration that we do and we try and make sure to reach out to different areas of the community where we might be reaching new people so that we can get this information to as many people as possible. One of the things we're doing with More Aware Monday is tying in the information about what we do with a helpful article about domestic violence. That article will be linked in the description and this one focuses on healthy relationships which is why that's what we're talking about and how we help with that. But I also wanted to address some things from the article from our point of view. So one of the things you will find in the article is first date safety tips. So we do try and help with promoting ideas of how to stay safe in all kinds of relationships. So this is something that we really like. So some tips that they've included in the article is that you meet your date in a public location. So as you're getting to know someone, being somewhere where you can reach out for help or easily get away from the situation if something seems a little unsure or sketchy about that situation is really helpful. It could also be a good idea to go on a group date if you know somebody else who's dating, maybe going on a double date with them or doing a group activity. Maybe you invite somebody to something a bunch of friends are doing so that they can be a part of that too. Or if you're involved in some kind of social group like a meetup.com or something like that, you could invite the person to an activity like that just so you get to know them in a safe space 
where there are people there if something goes wrong. Can help make a person feel a little bit more comfortable and can help make sure that everything is okay right at the beginning. Some red flags you're not going to notice right away, but there are definitely times that people can see them on that first date and it helps to make sure that you're in a safe environment. Another thing that can be helpful is to always let somebody know where you're going beforehand and to be able to sometimes set up letting them know when you're going to be home. When we're talking to teenagers, we understand that sometimes their parents work for this and sometimes they don't even really want their parents knowing anything about this, so they can set it up with a friend as well. But it is good to have somebody who knows when to expect you and that you can check in with them to see how things are going. So being able to have that in mind can be really helpful as well. I think it's important to take things slow as well. I know this isn't the most fun for some people because they get really wrapped up in the feelings and they really like the person sometimes and get excited about how it's progressing and that's all natural and normal. But the reason I promote the idea of taking things slow is for one thing, a lot of times people who act abusively will try and rush the relationship because the more invested you get, the more quickly, the harder it is for you to leave. If you think about it, it's much easier to leave somebody that you just went on a couple dates with versus somebody who knows your family, who has mutual friends with you, who you've maybe crossed certain milestones with, who you might have different things aligned with, the more stuff that you have makes it more difficult. Like it's more difficult for somebody who's living with the person, who has children with the person, who's married with the person to be able to leave that relationship versus somebody who doesn't have any ties to them. So taking it slowly gives you an opportunity to get out of the relationship when you notice red flags without thinking about all this other stuff. So sometimes people will want to leave, but they'll think, well, this thing that they do isn't great, but we have all the same friends. That might be awkward. Am I going to lose all my friends too? And that simple added pressure can be enough to make somebody stay when they otherwise wouldn't. So in taking things slow, you get to know the person without those additional obstacles that will keep you tied to a relationship. You also want to be paying attention for the red flags and the green flags to see which ones you're seeing more of and to fix anything that might be going on early on. So if you notice something disrespectful or you notice some things that make it difficult to trust the person, you really want to pay attention to what the person is showing you as well and to look out for those little warning signs and make sure that this is somebody that you can be safe with. Another tip I really like from their safe dating is to not worry about being polite at the end of the date. That if you want to end a date for any reason, that it is okay to just say that and to go home. Having boundaries is really helpful. So many times I hear people say that they're worried about saying no for how the other person will react or how the person will handle the situation. And it's important to know that your boundaries should be respected in a healthy relationship and how the other person acts is about them. So caving into the things that they want to do is not something that's going to put you in a good situation. You want to be able to stand up for what's important for you and what's comfortable for you. And setting boundaries actually helps the other person because we feel a lot better 
when we know exactly where somebody's limits are. Sometimes people might not want to push your boundaries, but might unintentionally be doing it because they don't really know what they are. So being able to talk and communicate clearly is really important. And it is okay for you to not have enjoyed that date and to not want to continue it. You don't have to give any excuse to the person. You can just say, this isn't working for me. I think I'm going to go home or letting them know how you feel. So a lot of times we hear people who end up in these kind of tough situations because they really worry about being nice or doing what the other person wants to do. And how you feel and what you're comfortable with needs to be as important as the other person. But I'm not saying that you should disrespect people, like treat them meanly. But standing up for yourself is not doing that. If you tell them, like, I just think that I'm ready to go home now, or I'd rather not do that thing, or how about we just do this instead, or this just isn't working for me, wish you the best of luck with somebody else, whatever you want to say to get out of those situations and to exert your boundaries can be done in a polite and comfortable way, but you want to stick to them and feel like you can say them because being too nice isn't going to be helpful to either person. You want to take care of you. We have some other podcast episodes that go a bit more into depth about specific aspects of a healthy relationship, but we'll go over some of the basics now too. So a healthy relationship should always have a sense of equality. So what that means is that you feel like both people are equally important in the relationship and there's a sense of balance and fairness. So you're both making decisions, you both feel heard, you both have roles in the relationship. It doesn't necessarily have to be 50-50 all the time because we know in a relationship realistically there are going to be times where some people need more. Like maybe you're having a really stressful day, or maybe you lose a job, or maybe there's a family crisis, like some like a death in the family or a family emergency, or maybe you get really sick. There are lots of times where we're just naturally not going to be able to give as much as the other person, and they might feel a need to step up and take on a little bit more of the role and responsibility in the relationship. But it feels balanced because we know if it were the other way around, the same thing would happen. We would do this for them. They would do this for us. So there is a sense of balance, even if it's not literally 50-50. You feel like it's fair, like you're both contributing, you're both taking part. So sometimes where we see inequality is in the case of an abusive relationship where somebody has power and control over the other person. That definitely is not healthy in a relationship. Nobody should have more power. There should not be an imbalance of power. Some other ways that it might pop up as unhealthy is sometimes we'll hear people who feel like they're being taken for granted because they just put everything into the relationship and so much work and feel like the other person just doesn't do anything. That's not a healthy relationship either. You should feel like you're both contributing to it. It should be a partnership that you work together through things, that you have each other's back, that you feel like you're both seen as equal, that nobody feels superior or inferior in the relationship. Having that equality is so important. It's also good to have good communication. So we think a lot of times about communication as feeling comfortable talking about problems with each other, and that's definitely important. If you have a concern, you should be able to bring it up and address it in a healthy way by talking calmly, hearing each other out, and coming up with a decision together. Communication is not just talking through problems, though. You should feel comfortable saying anything to the person. 
So sometimes I'll hear people say things like that they're really embarrassed about certain likes or interests that they have. Like maybe they like a certain guilty pleasure TV show, for instance, that they don't tell people about. You shouldn't feel like you have to keep things like that from a partner. And I know this is kind of a small example, but you should feel comfortable telling them anything about yourself because you know that they're going to like you for who you are and that they're going to respect the different interests or things that you like. You also feel like you can bring up questions. There are a lot of times where I've heard of people having concerns in relationships where they just don't really know where the other person stands with something like being exclusive, for instance. They don't really know if they're at the point of not seeing other people yet. And so you say you have to talk to the partner about it and they'll be too scared to or too intimidated to. And that's not something that's good for a relationship. You should feel comfortable talking to the person. And if you think that saying those things is going to get judgment or backlash or that the person is going to be angry that you brought that up, that is a huge red flag because a caring partner should respect the things that you have to say. They might not always agree with them. They might think, oh, I didn't realize that I was sending that message to you. I didn't realize you would think that. But they still understand where you're coming from and work together to comfort or reassure or to offer you the truth. There shouldn't be any like putting down or making you feel bad for the things that you're worried about or the things that you bring up or the things that you like. Healthy relationship also needs to have trust. A lot of how we build trust is through predictability, reliability, and being dependable. So you have an idea of how the person's going to act in situations, you know, they'll like show up on time, that if they, you ask them to be there, that they will be there, that there's somebody that you can talk to and turn to when you're having a rough day. That builds up a sense of comfort and trust in the relationship when we know that that person is dependable for us. It helps us to feel safer and more secure. It's also good to have space. Sometimes when people are in relationships, they want to do everything together, spend all their time together and give up friendships or family obligations that they have. And that's not okay. You want to have space to be yourself too, because personal growth and individuality is so valuable. Not only will it help you in being a stronger person, but it will also help the relationship because it makes it more interesting and fun to have different things going on that you can talk about. You want to make sure that your relationships have kindness, that you're talking to each other in a kind way, even when you're arguing that you're not bringing in insults or name calling or lashing out at the person. You always want to come from a place of kindness, doing kind things for them, kind gestures, and being able to communicate in a calm and kind way. That might take some work. If you're communicating and you notice that you get angry and heated, being able to take deep breaths, to walk away, to count to 10, to use a stress ball, whatever coping strategy works for you to be able to calm down. And you might have to keep doing that and keep taking breaks, but you want to be able to talk in a calm manner that shows the other person kindness and respect. It's also important to have honesty that you're able to talk to each other about anything, that you tell the truth, that you have honest behaviors. So some dishonest behaviors are things like cheating or stealing. So we want to have honest behaviors and tell the truth with the person and feel like we can believe in the things that they're saying. A healthy relationship also goes at a comfortable pace. When I say comfortable pace, this could mean physical, emotional, a lot of different things. 
we have different speeds for which we're ready for things like milestones in the relationship. Are we on the same page about meeting each other's friends? Are we on the same page about going to meet the family? What about saying, I love you? What if one partner says it and the other is not ready? You should be able to let them know. Thank you for saying that. I'm glad to know how you feel. I'm not quite there yet, but I do really like you and where this relationship is going. So let's give it more time and see what happens. And having the person respect that. So it's important to not feel pressured or rushed into the relationship in any way that you feel comfortable and secure at the pace it's going that it's a piece where you can get to know the person and feel comfortable before doing anything that you're not ready for. And so both people in a healthy relationship should ideally be growing on their own as a person as well. One thing that we had an adult advocate who used to say is that a relationship should never be about completing you. It should be about complementing your life. So in a healthy relationship, you are continuing the life that you would have been continuing on without the person, but having them there has its extra benefits and positives that you feel good, you have encouragement in what you're doing, and that you have somebody that you can count on. Whereas people who look to complete the relation themselves through a relationship, there's a lot of unhealthy dependency in that. You want to be able to be strong as your own person and have a good self-esteem as you. And that might take some work for some people, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect in the relationship. Sometimes relationships aren't perfect, but we do always want to be striving towards being healthier and having the best relationships we can. So if it's something you're working on, that's okay. Keep working on it and keep it up and keep continuing to have the healthiest relationships that you can have. So these are some of the things we talk about when teaching people what a healthy relationship looks like. We go over some of the basics and we'll do certain skills to show them how to do that. So like I said, with communication, we might show actual problem-solving strategies, things like using I statements that people can use. When it comes to things like setting a comfortable pace, we might talk about how you set boundaries, nice ways that you can say things, ways that you can get to the point, things like sometimes with boundaries, people might feel a need to just go on and on and on on this big explanation where they make sure that the person really completely understands that it's a certain thing and that we have these long-winded explanations. And that's not necessarily always the best. Sometimes it's best to say, this just isn't something I'm interested in doing right now. And it's so polite and it's not disrespectful to the person, but it gets to the point quickly. Another thing we talk about with boundaries is that sometimes people feel pressure to make sort of false promises or things that they can't follow through with with their boundaries. And we want to make sure that you avoid doing that too and that you get right to the point. So for example, if somebody asked you on a date and you weren't really into them, but you said something and said like, oh, I'm just not really looking to date anyone right now, but maybe in the future we'll see what happens. That would be a bad example of setting boundaries because it kind of sends the wrong message to the person where instead of understanding exactly where you're coming from, they might just have this false hope like, oh, I just have to give it more time and more patience, but I'm going to keep asking the person and keep trying to make this happen because they 
aren't against it. They're just not ready for it right now. So I'll just keep up with asking and trying to get them to see what a good person I am, which would put you in an uncomfortable position if you know for sure it's never going to happen. So it is better to just be direct and straightforward that I like you as a friend, but that's all it's going to be for me so that they get the message clearly and can work with where exactly you're coming from. So we'll go through these and teach people these specific skills. And we do some of this on the podcast as well. Like I mentioned, we have an episode on trust, for example, that talks about ways to build up trust and what trust looks like in a healthy relationship. And we're going to continue to do more of that as well. So you can check in for future episodes. But if you he listened to all this and you're thinking, oh, I would really love to do a program like that in my school, my church, my community group. Please reach out to us. Our presentations are all free. We would bring all the supplies and all the materials. We would just need to set the time and date with you. So it's very little work to the people involved and it won't cost you anything. What's important to us is being able to give this message and to help lower the unhealthy relationships and higher the amount of healthy relationships that people have. So feel free to reach out to us. Thank you for listening. And I hope that you have a great day. Wow.